0: Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy Rewatch podcast. I'm Cara Babcock, pronouns she-her.
1: And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she-her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning.
0: This is a spoiler-free podcast. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us. We'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline, like it's our first time, too.
1: During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens.
0: Thanks for listening!
1: Now, on to the episode! Season 4, Episode 1, The Freshman. Here we are!
0: (laughs) Yeah, Season 4.
1: Ah! Wow, it's so bittersweet to be here. I'm still not over the fact that we're done season three. I'm sad. I'm very sad. And this episode didn't do that much to help my sadness. Does that make sense? Buffy's down the whole time. Buffy's insecure. And I know we both have the same thoughts about the episode because we talked about it before we started recording about how this season the starting off of season four and leaving seasons one to three of the high school years behind, Buffy's feelings and emotions and what she's going through in this episode really mimic how the audience is feeling.
0: Yes. Yeah, I I agree because I have mixed feelings about this episode. Like with many of the season premieres, they tend to put Buffy into this situation of lacking confidence and she has to like find her confidence again. You know, we saw that with when she was bad and we saw that with Anne like it's always a slightly different scenario and honestly like I get why the show does this and there's probably no point in the series where it's more important than in this season because like you said you know we are moving on to a new chapter and I agree especially back when the series was first being broadcast probably a good chunk of The diehard fans were just like, "What's going to happen now? Buffy's graduated; she's going to college. But will this be the same show that we know and love? With brooding vampires (laughs) and, you know, strange people? Yeah, (laughs) Um, we
1: lost a lot of good-looking characters. Will we get more? Is the question?
0: (laughs) I think we'll find out. But yeah, I mean, as far as season premieres go, like this episode does everything it needs to do. It's got the Buffy." getting her confidence back which I don't love but it's there. Mm. Um it's got a lot of humor between the characters, you know, we kind of get a sense of where they're at at the start of the season and it sets up without, you know, giving us too much information but it kind of gives us this little tantalizing hint at the overall season story arc and maybe the big bad, it's too soon to
1: tell. Yeah. Yeah, this this episode has a lot of responsibility in terms of setting up everything and introducing us to to a whole new world Um, and as we go through it we can start pointing out well this is different and this is new and this is never going to be the same but like right off the bat I mean we start off in the cemetery and that's Old news to us. Like we've been doing this for three years. We nice we know that nice and
0: comfy. We love starting in a cemetery. Right, right,
1: right. And Buffy is saying to Willow, who's sitting next to her while she's walking around, saying anything. And Buffy is t- and Willow is telling Buffy that introduction to the modern novel is a class that she should take. It's a survey study of twentieth 20th- twentieth century novelists. Open to freshmen. You might like that. And Willow is looking through a course book and helping Buffy select. Her classes for the year and yes Buffy you are very behind in selecting these classes I'm surprised the modern novel is open number one I'm surprised it's open to freshmen because that is definitely a junior or a senior you know third or fourth year university course and I'm also very surprised that there's room for you to go and sit in there because classes like that get taken up immediately in my experience so Buffy seems really overwhelmed with that class like she's kind of like to do, to do that class, I'd have to read the modern novel. And, you know, books, I don't want to take on too much right away. Like, is there an introduction to the modern blurb? <laughs> and Willow's like, oh, yeah, there's short stories in here, but maybe you can't take it because it conflicts with psych. And Buffy's also like, I don't want to take psych. And Willow says, you have to. It's fun. You can use it as your science requirement. Professor Walsh is supposed to be great. She's world renowned. And this is like the first of a hundred times we hear Professor Walsh in this episode. So that's the first time. Who is this Professor Walsh? She's world renowned and she teaches psych at the school. And what stuck out to me in that sentence was that Willow says your science requirement. And I forgot that in the first year or first one or two years of your undergrad, you have requirements to take, like, different types of courses.
0: Yeah, high school's hell. College is just a different type of
1: that. <laughs> I'm like, why? Like, if you, want to, if you want to study English, why am I in a science class? It brought down my average. I'm, I'm projecting. I'm projecting my own issues into this. <laughs>
0: Are we going to, like, uncover a lot of unexamined trauma this season?
1: Absolutely. I'm so excited for college, specifically <laughs> so I can tell you about what I went through in college. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway... This is hard. This is hard for Buffy to pick. And Willow also suggests images of pop culture where they watch movies and TV shows and commercials. Isn't college cool? And I was like, again, th- that's, a, that's a class you would take in fourth year. It's it's not definitely not for freshmen. But Buffy says it's not as easy for her. And, you know, sorry, miss, I chose my major in play group. <laughs> and Willow's like, Ooh. I like to be prepared. Uh, I don't want to be caught unaware. And it's funny that she says that because that's when a vampire is rising up from the grave behind them as they sit with their backs to it. And they're talking and Buffy's saying that she's been really busy this summer, right? She's, it's been a sleigh-heavy summer. She hasn't had time to think about life at UC Sunnydale or she's avoiding. And the vampire fully emerges itself onto into the uh, from the ground as the girls are chatting. Buffy says it's gonna be a big adjustment and Willow confirms in this conversation that university is five miles away. And Kari, you and I were talking in season three. We're like, w- this mysterious Sunnydale University, where is it? And now Willow's confirmed it's five miles away, which actually doesn't seem like that far. But I guess to people who don't drive, it is.
0: Um, I don't know. Is that eight kilometers? Yeah, that's eight kilometers. So that's what, like an hour and a half walk at a good pace. I guess
1: so. But it still doesn't seem like that far. <laughs> Not far so, for driving, no. Buffy says that she had this made me laugh. Buffy says that she has to be a secret identity girl again. And that's going to be really tough with a roommate. And I was like, Buffy, that was tough for you without a roommate. Like, you could not keep your secret identity to yourself ever. <laughs> so why are you even bothering? And, uh, Buffy is convincing herself in this, in the way she's speaking that she's psyched. She's like, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm, I'm psyched for call. It's going to be good. And, um, the vampire is stalking up behind them and, is it, like, grinning? He's like, this is, like, so easy. It's like stealing candy from a baby. And then he sees all the slaying weapons, like the crossbow and crosses on the ground, and he puts two and two together, and he kind of, like, ah, and then he, like, leaves. <laughs> and um, I really love him for that. He's just like, oh, man, like, I'm out of here. So he leaves.
0: Like, well done, vampire. <laughs> you survived to kill another day because you had situational awareness. Yeah,
1: when Kara hinted earlier that will we meet the big bad this season well we just met him <laughs> that's him um <laughs> buffy, buffy is saying that she can't let college take the edge off her sling she has to stay strong and then she looks behind her of course the grave is empty because he's already left and she just says is this guy ever gonna wake up <laughs> we cut to credits
0: <laughs> all right so a couple of things one New hair, of course. We're going to see Buffy. It's in braids in this scene. But in the next scenes, we'll see that she has longer hair than she did mm-hmm. before. And Willow has shorter hair. And it's like kind of like styled and like a cool, modern it's like way. It's
1: fresh, late 90s kind of way. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Very nice.
0: Just wanted to point that out. And, and also, I think what's going on here with Buffy, too, is this is kind of a nice reminder that it's always anticlimactic when you save the world at the end of the season. You know? <laughs> um this happened towards the end of the the series stargate sg1 as well where it's like okay you take on the big bad and you save the world and you're successful and then it's like now what right like buffy defeated the mayor and prevented his ascension and she saved not all but a sizable portion of the graduating class of sunnydale high and now she has to go to like her life has to go on right and that's the thing is in these kinds of stories we seldom spend time with a hero after they've you know achieved uh the defeat of the big bat. usually that's where the story ends so now buffy's like what am i doing like obviously she's always wanted to go to college and not have her slayer life hold her back but at the same time it's like this is this is not what she was expecting Mm -hmm. right
1: Mm -hmm, mm um after the credits we're at the university of california sunnydale campus that's what it says it says University of California, Sunnydale. And I looked up the University of California because remember you we, you and I were saying, like, in what way would this particular town warrant its own university? And University of California currently has 10 campuses, nine take on undergraduate mm. students and Berkeley is one of them. So I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So in this reality of Earth, Sunnydale counts as one of those nine or it's an extra one, like the 10th for the University of California, Sunnydale. It's interesting,
0: I'm... I'm guessing like they must have obtained permission from the university to use its name and logos Mm -hmm. and stuff. So I'm curious what that conversation was like, where it was like, was the person that they had to talk to at the university already a Buffy fan? And they're like, yeah, promote our university. (laughs) Or did they uh, did they need some convincing that this show? Being watched by teenagers uh, would be a good marketing move for the university. Yeah, if
1: I were their PR person, I would have reached out to Joss Whedon personally to be like, "You <laughs> have to let Buffy go to our school." <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, that that was interesting to me because I never, th- I literally have never thought about it before. So there's some interesting information. Um, it's frosh Week. Ooh, it's frosh Week at university. Buffy is looking uncomfortable because she's surrounded by these groups of new college students older college students and she's on campus and she has all these folders in her hand and she's clearly confused as to where she's supposed to go. You have like one woman with all these kids surrounding her being like, if you have a blue folder, you should be at Weissman Hall. And Buffy's like, so she starts making her way over there. And this is so relatable. So like I said before, Kara, like I went to school in a different city. I stayed on residence, completely Mm -hmm. new surroundings. It's a clusterfuck. You feel the way Buffy feels in that like you don't know where you're where what you're doing or where you're going. You know you're supposed to be somewhere that day and you just need to figure out like what the routine is and you don't have a routine at this point. So you feel mm-hmm. like a little bit like a lost fish. But at the same time, it's people like that woman yelling in the group. They're there to make sure that you feel welcome and that they're there to help you with this adjustment by helping you meet people and helping you learn the campus. Yeah.
0: I I didn't go away for university. So I went to the very small Lakehead University that's here in Thunder Bay. Uh, The campus is not hard to get around. It's mostly just like a right angle. Um, And since I was living at home, I didn't spend a ton of time on campus outside of my classes. So I didn't really do like the freshman orientation and stuff. And, you know, we don't have like fraternities and sororities like they do in, in the show and at larger places. So Um, I understand what you're Mm -hmm. saying. Like, I agree that I can see how this would be really relatable, but this was not my college experience. Yeah, yeah, but
1: that's I want to point out to anyone who is listening who also didn't have this type of college experience. This episode, I think, did a really good job of showing it authentically. Like, I actually felt like I've been in that situation, and that's what it's like.
0: So, did you get to go do free jello shots when you were
1: <laughs> a freshman? <girl>? No comment. <laughs> no, no, no. You're not allowed to promote drinking out on campus like that. But I'm not saying those things didn't exist. Oh, I will say, did it have to be jello shots? Like jello shots is so specific. And if you're having a jello shot, it requires you to have some sort of fridge, which a lot of (laughs) students don't have. So they would just be normal shots. But yes, you get them for free in, in Frosh Week. This is a cool thing. I really liked watching this. It was like a blast from the past because you see all the various student groups trying to get Buffy to come talk to them and join their club. And this is funny because we were saying earlier, like Buffy's trying to figure out who she is. She saved the world a couple of times and now she's in college. She's a little bit lost. So here you have all these groups of clubs and cliques where she could potentially become part of, right? And that's that is the freshman experience. She
0: should join the Christian group. It's right up her alley.
1: <laughs> yeah, like crosses
0: Jesus, and everything. Jesus
1: loves her, so she should definitely join them. Um, but yeah, there's like the protest group, the the feminist group. There's like a fraternity in there. The guy who's offering Jello shots, like for sure. Um, Buffy finds Willow. And Willow is super excited, and she says um, that she had to drop modern poetry to take ethnomusicology. And my question to you, Car, is what is Willow's major? What is Willow major in? She
0: has one. I mean, because she she said that she doesn't care about her career, right? She went to UC Santa because not so secretly. She wants to enhance her practice of willow, yes, and that that's her goal. So I don't even know if like. I don't know. Maybe she made up a major to tell her parents and she's just going to fake it. Like She did
1: say in, I think, Choices that she's allowed to build her own own schedule or she's allowed to build her own major or something like that. I don't know if that's a real thing, but my point is she's taken like...
0: These hippy, dippy, liberal, (laughs) Californian (laughs) institutes of higher learning, Stephanie. It's what's driving this country into the ground. I I literally
1: would have thought that she would take computer science. Or computer engineering or mechanical engineering or something like that.
0: Yeah, but then they'd ask you to teach the class.
1: (laughs) Then she'd be there professoring it up. Uh, Anyway, they're making their way across campus and neither of the girls have met their roommates yet. And this surprised me right away because, I mean, I know what happens in the show, but... It just would have made sense for the two of them to have asked to live together. That's a very common thing to do. Um, I I went to university with a bunch of my friends, and I lived with one of my friends. Right? You know what I mean? Like you you can you can do that.
0: And did that work out for you? Or are you still friends?
1: <laughs> it that's a story for another episode, I think. But no, we're not. It's all her fault. So.
0: <laughs> now this this is why they had a very serious conversation, and they're like, we're not going to be good roommates together. Yeah.
1: No, I think they would have been okay. It's it choose your friend, choose your roommate wisely. Willow and Buffy, I think, would have been okay. So. Uh, Willow <laughs> looks at Buffy's flyers and she's like I didn't get jello shots I'll trade you a take back the night because they're trading up their flyers and again with the jello shots but also I was like isn't it so interesting that like Willow's like I'm gonna give you this flyer from a on campus anti-rape group in exchange for a flyer that will take me to a party where rape happens <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I took from that
0: yeah I mean we're gonna have to deal with this topic throughout this season, right? And I think it's such a sad reflection that here we are, like, what, 20 years after this season aired, and we still have these issues of sexual assault and harass and abuse and rape on college campuses across Canada and the U.S. And it, just, it really sucks that rape culture is still so pervasive in our society that for a lot of people, especially women, when they go off to college they're put in these unsafe situations
1: yeah and like remember specifically the guy earlier who was offering buffy the flyer with the jello shots was saying freshman girls or freshman women
0: get the jello shots it's totally rapey
1: yes it's so rapey so willow's like that's mine (laughs) like okay she's just she's going with it i guess Um, Buffy needs to get her ID card. Willow's like, nope, you should have went in the morning. Like, if you go now, it's going to be a super long line. Willow's
0: just like little miss perfect, uh, you know, university girl here. And it's really like annoying. Like, Willow, slow down. I know you're excited, but slow down and have some empathy for your friend here. It's
1: true. It's so true. Because even Buffy says, like, I'm glad you're excited. But, like, you know, I hope I learn and grow from this experience. As in, like, I didn't know. How are you supposed to know unless somebody helps you through this, right? willow gives the reason why she's being so annoying she's like in high school knowledge was pretty much frowned upon you really had to work to learn anything but here but here the energy the collective intelligence it's like this force this penetrating force and i can just feel my mind opening up you know and letting this place just thrust into and spurt knowledge and then she says that sentence ended up in a different place because it got very sexual
0: it really did
1: yeah it, it super did but the thing is I like this for Willow, and I think Willow is actually bringing up a really great point about her own, like her own transition from high school to university. We've talked about how power hungry <laughs> Willow's been in the past. And just now we're like, she's only there to learn magic. <laughs> like, she doesn't care about her education. <laughs> but the, the, the point is that Willow, who was overlooked and considered like this nerd and this loser in high school, is now in a place in her life where... All those things about her are going to be valued and she's finding her place and that is giving her empowerment. Right. And that's a really good thing. And that's what happens to a lot and of people there... who leave high school and go somewhere else.
0: Exactly. There, there's definitely truth to the this narrative here that if you are somebody who's in high school and you really, really love like book learning and academics and stuff, like Willow's saying, high school isn't always the best place for that because there are a lot of distractions and Sometimes the system focuses a lot more on standardized tests and stuff. So I agree with you. Like, it's really nice to see Willow's love of learning and her autodidacticism on display here, right? Like, university is the place you can flourish if you really want to guide your own learning. And we see that in Willow. And I I like that this episode is giving us different takes on what university is like, Or what life after high school is like, as we're going to see in a little bit, in terms of like, it's not one size fits all, Mm -hmm. right? Like for some people like Buffy, it's overwhelming. For others, it's exhilarating. Mm -hmm. For people like Oz, it's chill because everything Oz does is chill. Speaking of Oz. Speaking of Oz,
1: uh, he comes up and Willow's like, my on-campus boyfriend.
0: As opposed to her off-campus boyfriend.
1: (laughs) So um, Oz comes over, he's like, it's a madhouse in here. And Buffy says, yeah, it's really overwhelming. Like, do you feel completely disoriented? And Oz is trying to be nice and like, I think he can tell that Buffy's anxious. So he's like trying to get on her side. But then this random guy named Paul comes over and he's like, hey, Oz, finally matriculating with us. Very cool. Tell me you're playing this week. And Oz is like, yeah, he is. And the guy's like, Jell-O Shots? <laughs> because this university is nothing but Jell-O Shots. Jell O
0: Shots code for something else that I'm missing. Yeah, it's here.
1: code for Jingle Jangle, which is code for drugs. <laughs> so yeah, they're gonna be doing drugs a lot on this campus, I can tell. That's what jello shots really means. But again, I'm telling you, Cara, jello shots are not something that you can just have willy-nilly. You gotta put effort into that.
0: I, I've never held in my <laughs> hand, let alone tasted a jello shot, and nor have I ever said the term jello shot this many times it's in my like life. It's like
1: between jello shot and Professor Walsh, we just have a mouthful of these new words today.
0: I mean, I feel like people should take a jello shot every time they hear us say the word jello <laughs> every shot. Every time
1: they hear us say the word Professor Walsh. <laughs> For our next recording, I'm going to make us a bunch of jello shots. (laughs) Uh, I do like jello shots. I'm not saying you shouldn't have them. I'm just saying it's weird that this university is so fixated on them. So... Um, this guy is asking Oz, do you know where, uh, they're distributing the work study applications? And Oz is like, tells him where, and he takes off. And so Buffy automatically realizes that Oz, A, knows what he's doing in his way around campus. B, that he already has friends here. He's like established. So he's very comfortable here because his band plays here. So Oz sees this in Buffy and he's like, everything's still all new. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Hey, Doug. (laughs) It's like a guy named Doug walks by, Oz knows him. So sorry, Buffy, you're all alone in this. Uh, Cut to Buffy and Willow who are looking for the library. And Buffy's talking about Giles and she wishes he could be the librarian here. And Willow's saying, well, he's enjoying being a gentleman of leisure. And Buffy's like, that's British for unemployed.
0: So, so, right. So I, I just want to point out here. So Giles came over to America, but now he's unemployed. So he, what is he doing? Just living off the government teat? Like, you yeah,
1: know. Giles must have had a really good savings plan.
0: He's the person giving immigrants a bad name here, right? Like, God. It's not the hardworking migrant farm workers right? who, cro- who cross over, right? No, it's people like Giles who come over from these rich colonizing countries and then don't bother to work and think that they can just lounge around because they're white and... I guess I guess he's right. What
1: I'm hearing is build the wall. <laughs> is that what I'm hearing from
0: you. <laughs> build the sea wall. We got to keep. We got to. We got to keep those lazy British immigrants out.
1: <laughs> Giles, for shame, for shame. No wonder Willow calls him a slacker. And I laughed at this because as soon as she says that, Buffy says, "Speaking of slacker, <laughs> have you heard from Xander?" And I was like, "Yes, Buffy. Yes." Uh, Willow says that Xander has been on his cross country Sea America thing, which he talked about last season. So that's really good. Continuation. Uh, he's not coming back until he drives to all fifty states. Buffy's like, "Well, did you explain about Hawaii?" And Will's like, "Well, he, he just seems so determined." <laughs> so Buffy is saying that she wants to get the whole back together so they can hang in the library. But when they walk into the library, it is enormous. It's beautiful. It's huge, and they shoot it from their feet, like from the floor, looking up. So it makes it feel even bigger.
0: Is this Stephanie with some filmography right here? (laughs) Look at you. It's just me being like, it's so
1: big. And they make it even bigger by, like, taking it in from these different shots, right? And Willow is, like, super happy about it. She's like, oh, my God, the selection here, it's a real library. The other one's sucked ass. This one's the best, you know? <laughs> and um, they even get shushed because it's a real library. Uh,
0: Willow's <laughs> orgasming right now because she got shushed.
1: orgasm orgasms when vampires bite her. Willow orgasms when she gets shushed and there's just like lots of i don't
0: ever want to remember that scene Steph,
1: i'm gonna bring know. it up every episode after a nice delicious jello shot <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> so willow says the whole new world and it sure is cut to the campus bookstore we're getting the whole like as the high school when we were at high school we had to get shown different rooms of the high school episode by episode right but in this right. episode we're gonna see the entire campus
0: well and i love this this whole thing is about you know, so they go to the library and then they go to the bookstore because when you're in college, the library is this magical place full of all these books that you're never going to use.
1: True. Because you got to pay
0: $300 for each of the books you're going to use in your course. Great
1: point. So true. Uh, I only, yeah, you only go to the library for like um, when you need to have like four sources <laughs> to cite. It's like, God, I got to go to the library and find a source. So they're at the campus bookstore and they're getting their books and mom Ma- and mom, and Buffy says that she can't wait till her mom gets a bill for the books. Like you said, Cara, probably about 800 bucks. Uh, because she, she hopes it's a funny aneurysm that she gives Joyce. And I was like, ah! and I'm not going to tell you why I said. Ah! But I was like, what a joke.
0: Good. I'm glad, I'm glad you don't tell me why. <laughs> so what kinds of books are Buffy and Will again? Psych
1: books. Because Buffy decided psych is going to be her science credit and uh she's reaching up for them she knocks them on to a man
0: Ugh, men they're just always under God, foot, there's right? always
1: men around to get hit by things so Buffy says sorry and the guy stands up and he's like it's okay it's okay
0: well he like unfolds himself right because he's like three times taller than Buffy.
1: Yeah, yeah he was like crouched down like a little like we don't know it could have been jonathan for all we know and then he stands up and it's this cornbread farm fresh 90s haircut looking man boy. And he's super tall. He is
0: Blandy McBlanderson.
1: <laughs> yeah, I compared him to a plain piece of bread. Not toast, just bread. And <laughs> that's you know, what I will say for this boy. And I'm calling him a boy because we don't know him yet. Uh, I will say that he's handsome, right? Tall, handsome, and typical. Very, very typical. Take
0: your word for it,
1: okay. If you're going to watch a, a show on the WB... This is the kind of guy that we're going to be is seeing. Is
0: he the next Scott Hope in that he's just so bland and forgettable that we're not going to remember him?
1: I think we're going to take Scott Hope and Owen and we're going to jam them together. <laughs>
0: Ooh. Oh, I like that. Right? A little some assembly required just kind of stitch <laughs> things together. I like that.
1: Yeah, I don't ha- I I do think he's a handsome guy. I hate his haircut. I can't stand his haircut. But okay, <laughs> he picks up the books with Buffy, you know, and he's like, "Oh, are you taking psych?" Or do you just want me dead? <laughs> he's also funny, Kara. He's got a great <laughs> sense of humor. What a cutie patootie. Um, he says, you'll have fun. Professor Walsh, there's an uh, take a shot is a character. He's, and this guy is the TA, and he's helping the professor out. And, oh, he forgot his manners and all the concussion. <laughs> this guy is hilarious. He says, I'm Riley. So this is, this is a guy named Riley. And Willow introduces herself and Buffy. And he's like, "It's nice to meet you, Buffy." And she says, "I'm nice to meet." <laughs> so Willow asks if they're gonna if uh, they're gonna study the study operant conditioning in first semester. Professor Walsh, take a shot. That's her specialty. And Riley says, "Absolutely, positively," because he's just a nice guy from probably the Midwest. And he says, "Do you know treatise on?" Dietrich's work. <laughs> what is? The, what did I write Dietrich, here? <laughs> so Do,
0: does Willow know Maggie's treat treatise on Dietrich's work? Right, it's not on the syllabus. He says, but it's a fascinating read, and they have it here in the bookstore. Huzzah! Great. Right? He's like, I'll show you where it is. He's like, Oh, I'm not used to freshmen knowing that much about psychology, which I, I think is really interesting here because Riley and Willow are hitting it off yeah. a lot more than Riley and Buffy. Although you know, Willow, Willow's taken Riley. Like, you can't have her. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, there's this interesting, like, brain thing going on where it's like they're talking about brain stuff. And poor Buffy's just standing there and really, she's, she's like really embodying the stereotype of the dumb blonde right now, which is, is not normally the case. And it's just another example of Buffy really feeling like a fish out of water.
1: I agree. Because Willow is saying how the psychology of it all is fascinating. And Buffy says, yeah, because everybody's got a brain. (laughs) And it's just not her usual quippy, like fast thing to say. So he gives her like a really weird look. And then he guides Willow away. And Buffy says, well, almost everyone has a brain. You know what I mean? And it's what you're saying, Kara. Is like, you're right. She, for some reason could not think of the right thing to say here. And I have to ask the question, is it because she's automatically attracted to this guy who's smarter than her? He may be as exciting as a bowl of mini-wheats. Mini-wheats that don't have the sugar coating on them. <laughs> They're just plain oh, good for you all mini-wheats. All the sugar is
0: being licked off.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm just wondering if she's off her groove a little bit because she's like you said fish out of water, but I'm also like, are we supposed to think that she like was automatically attracted to this guy? Therefore, she kind of like lost her head because she used to do that around Owen too. You know, I,
0: I don't understand how attraction works, so I'm mm, no so I
1: guess it's up to me to decide. I'm going to say yes. I think Buffy was intimidated that this guy was so tall, <laughs> and that he appeared to be more interested in Willow than Buffy, which has never happened to her before, oh. and that they're talking about things that are out of Buffy's element, and I think that just Yeah, I, I
0: suppose, like, I like how you related to Owen, because Owen was all into, like, the dark poetry and stuff, and I remember Buffy, like, going to the library and being like, I need a book on poetry, because mm-hmm. I need to be smart enough about all this poetry stuff mm-hmm. to be with owen right uh, so i think you're right i think buffy when it comes to guys like we see us we saw this with angel she's like i need to be like one of those you know 18th century women that he was so attracted to like buffy has this thing where it's like once she meets a guy she's attracted to she her first instinct is to change herself into the type of girl she thinks this guy is into yeah and so if you're right, and she's attracted to Riley, and this carries forward at some point, I would be very interested to see if that pattern holds.
1: It's also because they had a meet cute, and it didn't hold. He went for Willow instead, like Buffy's off her game. Um, and also, let's not forget, remember, like everything comes back to that episode in season one, Nightmares, where we we found out like how insecure Buffy is about her intelligence. Like we know she's intelligent, but like when it comes to schoolwork, she's not. But is know, she
0: college intelligent
1: <laughs> i guess we'll find out is so
0: you university of california intelligent?
1: <laughs> maybe just a sunnydale campus right <laughs> where you can build Ooh. your own course
0: <laughs> is there a ranking of their campuses where is sunnydale i wonder what the death rate is on the sunnydale campus oh
1: i think we're gonna find out this episode <laughs> exactly what the death rate is because so buffy's walking through the halls of her dormitory and she enters her dorm room and in canada we call them residents uh uh but I mean, dorm room is fine too. um Buffy's dorm room is lit. It is enormous. it is so nice. I'm pretty sure they have their own bathroom. No, no, I think they share a bathroom, but like this it's it's got room to walk around it well
0: and, and when you say it's lit literally. It has very nice windows.
1: It does. It has beautiful windows. Um, They each have their own, like, desk to, like, sit in, which is not unusual. But the point is that there's a lot of space. It's clearly a studio, like... (laughs) And clean. It's super clean. Well, I mean, they just moved in. But, like, they're also very neat girls. And I will be honest, like, girls, roommate girls, like, (laughs) we're not as... We're not neat. (laughs) Not right away, you know? And maybe that's... (laughs) Maybe it's... I'm just talking for myself here. But in my experience... None of the girls are that neat, uh, but it's huge. This is a huge, huge dorm room. It's it's enormous, um, and there is a girl there putting her things away, and she introduces herself as Kathy, and Buffy's like, "Oh, it's, hi! Like I'm Buffy. It's a nice room, huh?" And Kathy's like, "Oh yeah, you hear horror stories about freshman housing, which it's bang on, Kathy," and she says, "You took the right side," and Buffy's like yeah, but you know, if you want it, that's fine. And Kathy's like, no, I just want to make sure that's what you wanted.
0: Uh oh, red flag, red flag. Buffy. What the
1: hell is this, Kathy? <laughs> the fuck are you saying these past aggressive things? Are... So they're small talking about classes and parties and Kathy's like, not that I'm a crazy partier. I'm like, I'm just really hyper right now. I'm just so excited. And she's like I'm glad they put me with somebody who's cool I can tell that you're cool and I just know that this whole school whole year is gonna be super fun and she's putting up a poster and it's Celine Dion and I was like yes Kathy yes like I know we're from this conversation we're supposed to think that oh god Kathy's a lot Kathy's probably super uncool and annoying but like the Celine Dion poster does not contribute to that because Celine Dion is the Canadian shit. Like she is queen and I love her. And if my roommate put that up, I would have been like, let's be best friends. So again, roommates are key to your university experience. And I'm really excited that we've met Kathy. <laughs> Kathy and Buffy are in for a treat in in this living space. Good thing it's really big. So there are a lot of space. But Kathy is... Snoring is now nighttime Kathy's snoring and laughing in her sleep and Buffy can't really sleep. So the next morning, there is an angry male professor who is teaching the course on pop culture or what was it like American modern American culture. And he's saying, this course is not to critique popular American culture. Not to pick or look down on it or watch movies for credit.
0: Then then what is it? You've just like eliminated all the possibilities, my dude.
1: Seriously, if I was Buffy, I'd be asking them, what the fuck am I here for? And Buffy is asking the person next to her if she knows that the class is full yet. And the teacher immediately calls her out. He calls her a blonde girl. He's like, stand up, blonde girl. And he's... Wants to know what what like was so exciting that she it was worth interrupting his lecture for. His precious lecture where he was basically saying, we're not doing any of the shit you think you're here for. And Buffy stands up and she's so embarrassed. And she's like, I was just asking if the class was still open. And if she could sign up, still sign up for it. And the professor says, if your name is not on this sheet, then you're wasting everybody's time.
0: I hope your impression here.
1: <laughs> and Buffy starts to explain. Wait, right? And the professor is just, like, accusing her. He's like, you are sucking energy from everyone in this room. They came here to learn. Get out! And Buffy's like, I, I didn't mean to suck. And it's, like, so sad. And she grabs her bag, and the professor literally, like, leave! Like, he just, like, he, like, shouts it at her.
0: Like, every stereotype of the meanest college professor you can think of. The worst, like entitled white guy i know more than you you dumb first year students blonde girl you know? and it's just like again as an educator I'm, I'm just looking at this and i'm just like oh no this is not good poor buffy
1: what i want to say is that usually like professors in university are actually quite chill <laughs> Like, I find that they're mostly relaxed.
0: This guy has clearly just been caught sleeping with a student. and He's very salty about it.
1: It's just interesting that, like, you'd think that a professor for a first year student would be a lot more understanding. And they usually are. So this is, like you're saying, this is Mm -hmm. like a heightened exaggeration of the worst of the worst. Well,
0: I, I think that this happens for... Reason's objective position, which we'll get to in another scene.
1: Yeah, yeah. In the hallway, Buffy is looking so sad. I don't know how she's not bawling her eyes out. I would have cried. I would have cried. That would have been really harsh. And she runs into uh, Riley, squeaky clean Riley, who says, "If she's looking for Psych, it's over there." And the thing is, Riley doesn't recognize her. Right? Like Buffy's trying to say, "Like, how's your head?" Remember yesterday? Ha ha. ha. But he doesn't know who he she is. And then he says, "Oh, you're Willow's friend." And (laughs) being referred to as Willow's friend actually leaves Buffy quite shook. And again, I think it's just interesting how when it comes to her identity, Buffy is used to overshining Willow, especially in high school, right? Like, she usually got more attention than Willow. And now that Willow is thriving in this environment, people know who Willow is. People are saying, oh, that's Willow's friend. That's not something that Buffy is used to. And I don't think her being surprised that he knows Willow and not her is like, I'm not, I'm not saying that Buffy is, like, full of herself or anything. I just – I can see how this would be jarring to Buffy as she's so out of her element, you know? Yeah, I agree. Riley apologizes. Like, so far, he's been very polite. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, And then sh- she tells him her name's Buffy again. And she says before she goes to sit down, um, is Professor Walsh – take a shot – is she planning on yelling at me and kicking me out of the class – And Raleigh's like, that's not on her lesson plan. So Buffy's like, okay, great. And she goes and sits next to Willow and Oz.
0: Can you imagine if it were?
1: Imagine. Kick
0: blonde girl out of class. This (laughs) is just the standard lesson plan for first year courses.
1: I mean, I feel like it's, yeah, it could be like, um, what's it called when you, uh, oh, this could be like initiation, right? It's like part of like the frat (laughs) thing. So I like what Buffy says to Willow. She sits next to Willow and Oz and they're like, how was how was like the, your class, your pop culture class? And she's like, I don't think I'm going to take it. It seemed dull. <laughs> I was like, good for you, Buffy. So Professor Walsh walks in, uh, gives her hard ass speech. You know, university is not like high school. Like we're not going to babysit you. You know what I mean? Like I read a tough course. You better keep up. I sign a lot of homework. If you're too dumb, go to geology 101. That's where the football players are. Like that whole thing.
0: Well, she also makes this joke question marks i don't know if she's joking she's like uh if you don't keep up then you're not going to be able to call me maggie instead you're going to call me by the the name that my tas use but think i don't know about the evil bitch monster death
1: (laughs) cover your ears riley she swore
0: (laughs) now so this is why i think we got the scene previous because we needed to see a professor who was awful and also singled out buffy And now we're seeing in Professor Walsh, she's also, you know, very strict and very firm like that other professor. But she's not singling out Buffy. Right. And I think that's the difference is the first professor was just mean and abusive. He's just like, I'm going to pick on people. I'm going to be a bully. And here, Professor Walsh Walsh is like, I don't care who you are. As long as you're here and you're listening, you're paying attention, you're doing the work, you know, I'm going to treat you well but she's just really laying out her requirements. So both professors are probably being more harsh than Buffy's used to, but one of them is being inappropriate and the other one is being appropriate.
1: Mm -hmm. I'll also add, I don't know if you got this um, in high school. Like our high school teachers were always like, your university professors aren't going to care if you don't keep up with your work they're not going to follow you around like i do to like get your homework in and like whatever
0: i mean i tell i tell my students that all the time
1: yeah but like did i found that when i went to university that wasn't true especially for first year professors <laughs> they were very accommodating to help you and like I get you it, adjusted. it really
0: depends mm-hmm. it depends on the program the size of your program it depends on where you're going to school, right? Like, I really benefited from going to a smaller university, which had smaller classes, even in first year. Like, yes, the first year classes were large, but they were never, like, huge, Mm -hmm. like some of the courses at busier campuses. I I think that the big difference here, right, is a university and college professors, unless it's a community college, they're researchers first, and most of them don't actually enjoy teaching. Mm -hmm. So the trick is, if you can pick the courses with professors, like talk to other people and, and get the, the, the insight on professors and pick the courses with professors who actually like to teach. Because I had some professors, like you were saying, if you needed help, you would go to their office hours. They would sit, they would talk with you for half an hour. They'd walk you through things. I had other professors, I'd go ask for help and they'd be like on their phone. They'd be distracted. You know, they would forget my name. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's really a grab bag. And so like, that was something I learned after kind of like second year was unless a course was required, I would base my decision whether or not to take it based not on, did I want to take the chorus, but who's teaching it and what I, what do I know about this professor? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So true. Uh, So we're, we're at the campus at night and Buffy is lost and she runs into another student who is an actor from game of Thrones. Oh, interesting. (laughs) He asks, um, if she's lost her way and she says no she's going to uh fisher hall
0: yeah there's all these weird buildings named after people who apparently donated money to the sunnydale campus
1: yeah 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 and uh buffy says she calls well she calls herself pathetic because she lost her way and he's like well i lost my way and i have a map so (laughs) and i like this little like actually i'm way more into eddie right now than i am into riley
0: maybe it's gonna be a love triangle
1: (sighs) yes season four is off to a good start Eddie introduces himself and they start to figure things out together. And he sees her textbooks and says, Oh, you're taking Professor Walsh's class. <laughs> There's another one. And Buffy says she's not afraid of um, the long words. And Eddie says that she's pretty intense.
0: Wait, so is Eddie a first year too? Because he's lost on his campus, but apparently he knows a lot about Professor Walsh and her courses. He, did,
1: he took your advice and he asked around and got like really good feedback on the different professors, okay. right? So Buffy is upset because <laughs> she had it on good authority that this was a party school. <laughs> and I remember that was actually such a big conversation going into university, right? Like, oh, you don't want to go there because it's a party school. If you want to actually get a good good education, go here, you know? Eddie says that it's supposed to get easier. And Buffy says she wants to carry around a security blanket. That's how she feels. And... Eddie says, Of Human Bondage is a novel that he's read 10 times and he keeps it by his bed. It's, that's his security blanket. And Buffy says she doesn't have one unless you count Mr. Pointy. And I was like, aw, Kendra shout out. She still thinks of Kendra as her little security blanket.
0: So when he says, have you read Of Human Bondage, right? Buffy doesn't know what that is. And she's thinking it's a sex thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, it's another one of those little jokes. Of Human Bondage is a novel by W.S. Mom who is, he, he's writing kind of just at the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, he's a British writer, and he, his whole thing, is, it, overall his writing is kind of about the end of empire, right? Because the British empire is kind of like in its decline at this point. And Of Human Bondage is, I've read it. I've read it, I think, two times. Uh, I'm with Eddie. Like, I'm not as exuberant about it because I'm no longer you know, uh, a college freshman who's aghast at everything he reads for the first time. Um, (laughs) So, like, I've read of Human Bondage, but it is one of my favorite novels, honestly. Like, it's very thick, but it really kind of digs into a lot of the tragedies of the human condition, especially when it comes to obsession and Uh, unrequited love and some like toxic and abusive relationships so if that's your cup of tea Um, then you should take Eddie's recommendation and mine. And <laughs> Otherwise, maybe these... you should just keep watching this show.
1: <laughs> look at all these smart men we're meeting at college this year. Buffy says it's nice to know that she's not the only confused person on campus. And <laughs> she'll look for him in psych. And he's like, yeah, we can help each other figure out what the hell they're talking about. Maybe, make, maybe even make it through the year. Aww. They say goodnight and they leave and Eddie looks back at her. He's like, aw, I made a friend. I'm so happy. I feel I don't feel so alone. And that's how we know that he's done for. (laughs) Because immediately immediately he's grabbed by a vampire and he's approached by a blonde vampire flanked by her other minions and she says, I'm sorry, did you lose your way? We cut to a dorm room where these vampires are like ferociously collecting all the things into boxes and emptying things and getting the ghetto blaster and stripping his bed and leaving a note. You
0: have to get the the ghetto blaster. You
1: don't leave that behind. If anything, that's why they that's why they took him is so they can get his ghetto blaster. So. Next day in psych, Buffy is looking for Eddie but can't find him. And Willow's like, "Oh, you made a friend? Good for you!" <laughs> and Buffy's like, "Thanks, mom."
0: <laughs> That's the appropriate reaction, right there. I'm just like, "Come on, Willow!
1: Willow, come on, please!" So Buffy goes to his dorm and she's talking to his RA, I, I expect, um, who says that he left. He left a note. Yeah, this happens sometimes. Some people just can't handle it. There's always a few kids who lose it early in the first semester and just bail. Weak ones, I guess. Hey, that's really rude, okay? I like in my first year, there were a couple people we knew from res that like left early for different reasons, right? Sometimes people are like, "Oh, it's not what I thought it was going to be." Some people are waiting to get transferred out to a different place. Some people want to be in a different residence with their friends. Like there's a lot of reasons why people leave the dorm.
0: Also, isn't it literally like the first or second day of class? Like...
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like like day one. So don't call him weak, okay? And
0: just the like the lack of concern, yeah. right? Like if this person is, is actually the RA, like it's your job. To look after these kids. And make them feel
1: good. Make them feel You
0: see this note and you don't like call people and like double check. You're just like, oh yeah, I guess he just left very quietly in the middle of the night and nobody heard him packing things up. Like
1: (laughs) I mean, I am glad that Eddie got his own room. That's not as common to get your own room in residence. But I think, yeah, I think that this RA sucks. And Buffy is reading the note and it says, this is too much to handle. I can't take it anymore. No time to say goodbye, Eddie. (laughs) That's not suspicious at all. And Buffy notices of human bondage, the book, in the drawer. And automatically she's like, well, why would he leave a safety blanket behind if he packed away so quickly, right? Hmm, hmm, hmm. So... Cut to Eddie's dead body on the ground. Oh, rest in peace, rest in peace. Except we know he's not resting in peace. Uh, other vampires are going through his boxes of stuff. And the leader blonde girl is going through his music being like, you know, sucks, the sucks, boring. And she says they need to kill some cooler people. And I was like, imagine if they killed Kathy <laughs> instead.
0: Oh my God. Worst mistake of their lives.
1: <laughs> the Celine Dion albums. <laughs> Um, another redhead vamp is saying that you told us to pick on the weak ones and thin the herd and all that. And then she asks, Does a sweater make me look fat? And the blonde one says, No, the fact that you're fat makes you look fat. That sweater just makes Ugh. you look purple. <sighs> and I was like, Oh, that's so rude. Um, and I don't want to defend a vampire, but I do want to defend the woman.
0: Yeah, the... you've never defended any <laughs> vampires on this show.
1: <laughs> not the. I, she's not a sexy, hot man <laughs> vampire, but oh. I will. I will defend this vampire because she's not even fat. But that's not the point. That's not the point.
0: Right. Because there's nothing wrong with being fat if you are, right? There's like, not. it's just another body.
1: Exactly. It's fine. And there's a lot of fat shaming in this episode coming from this particular blonde vampire. But Buffy herself later does does some of it, too. And Joss Whedon wrote this episode. And I think we should... I, I mean, I,
0: th- I think we know the type of woman Joss Whedon likes if we just look at his casting choices throughout his series, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, And I think that's why I think it's important for us to call these things out. We would have anyway. But I want to draw attention to them now because later in the season, we're going to meet other characters and we're going to have more conversations around women's bodies and our sizes Mm -hmm. and the way they're depicted and the way they're treated. And I think that's something that is starting episode one in this season. Right. So the stoner, there's a stoner vamp. And he's taken out a poster and he's like, check it out. I do like
0: the stoner vamp. I I really enjoy his character. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. he's like, she asks him if it's Klimt. And he's like, it is. Monet is still well in the lead, but team Clint coming from behind. And he, what they're doing is they're keeping score of all the freshman posters. You know, like they have way more of the Monet posters, but there's also a bunch of Klimt. And this is so on point because all freshmen get the same poster because there's usually a poster sale on campus a couple times a year.
0: So so were you Monet or Glimpse? I was Monet. <laughs> Gosh, we're just learning so much about you, Steph. Yeah,
1: no, I'm telling you, like, I am really looking forward to the season because there's so much stuff here that's, like, on point. Like, I'm telling you, this is the experience. Not not the vampire part of it, but like the rest of it. Yes. So... The blonde girl says, freshmen are so predictable. And the vamp says that, uh, the redhead vamp says, she's hungry. And the blonde one says, what a shock. And I was like, again, again, with the comments on weights and eating. And like, and I just, I just like, ooh, it makes me so mad because this actress who's playing this vampire, again, like, not that it matters, but she's not, she's not big at all. But in Hollywood standards, in Joss Whedon's eyes, yes, she is.
0: Yeah.
1: So anyway, the, the, the blonde one is saying, we eat when I say we eat. And the redhead wants to hit the tunnels. The blonde one is saying, we eat when I say we eat. And she like vamps out. She gets mad. And the stoner vamp is all like, I think it's funny when you scream. It's like. Whoa. And the blonde one is like, I got. Can you do
0: the rest of this episode in just soda vamp voice, please? <laughs> yeah,
1: should I just take on that character for the rest of the series? <laughs> the blonde one says, I got to get me some better lackeys. I swear, you guys are useless. I shouldn't take you on the hunt. And the redheaded vampire says, Why don't you take Dead Eddie? Why don't you let him get your dinner? And the blonde's like, Pretty much the plan. And Dead Eddie's eyes open. He's a vampire mm. now.
0: She must have seen a human bondage and be like, okay, this is somebody I can turn.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really want to talk about this blonde vampire, but I think we should wait a little bit longer before we get to it. But I do have questions around her. Okay. So Buffy goes into, walks straight into Giles' house. Buffy has walked the five miles to Giles' house and opens the door without I mean, she knocking. she probably
0: ran, right? She's got the slayer <laughs> running powers, so. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. We know that she's really good at running. So she gets in there, music's playing, and a pantless woman a lovely lady is asking giles about the cheese in his fridge and buffy is super awkward obviously and is, does giles still live here <laughs> and uh the, the girl it's a good question <laughs> and the girl says uh rupert we have a guest And Giles comes around the corner in a robe and my note says, Lord have mercy.
0: (laughs) Is this hot? Is he hot right
1: now? You know, I don't like the robe, so I don't think it's a nice one. Therefore, like it could be showing more of his chest. But the point is, is that clearly Giles has been boning this woman all day and eating cheese with her in bed. And that's hot.
0: (laughs) Fair. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I feel like we need to point out this woman is the first black woman we have seen in this show since kendra right and i hate i hate that we have to point that out but welcome to the whiteness the blinding whiteness that is sunnydale here um finally we have another black character with a speaking role
1: i'm excited to see her i'm also excited to see my first asian vampire of season four
0: Your first Asian college student vampire?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I can't wait. So um, (laughs) Buffy asks if it's a bad time. And Giles is like, oh, this is Olivia. She's an old friend staying here for a few days. Friend. (laughs) An old friend. Um, And Olivia says she couldn't pass Sunny Cal without looking up old Ripper (laughs) and then getting him naked. She didn't say that. But Giles says... Um, that Buffy was a student of mine, and how's university? And I'm like, I like how oh, Olivia is like so cool and chill because Giles only right? dates like, cool and chill people,
0: <laughs> right? Like she's not questioning why one of Giles's former high school students walked into his house without any announcement. Like, what was, what were you doing with this student before Giles? Like,
1: right? but the thing is, it's like also that Buffy is like beautiful right and like there's just mm, I would ask more questions maybe she did after she leaves but um, Buffy says "Um, I I need help but it looks like a bad time and Olivia's like let me slip into something a little less comfortable (laughs) and she goes Buffy says it's a bad time and Giles is like you keep saying that Buffy's
0: brain is broken right now
1: (laughs) I think we could be able to see like fumes coming out of her brain because it's sizzling up there's too much stuff going on too much change Buffy says, Well, it looks pretty bad. I think someone has a little too much free time on their hands. (laughs) And Giles says, I'm not supposed to have a private life. And Buffy's like, No, because you're very, very old and it's gross. (laughs) And Giles takes that with stride. I will say, Giles does not get offended by that. He's just like, Well, before I succumb to the ravages of age, why don't you tell me what brings you here? (laughs) Like, bitch, you're the one who walked in on me in my sexy right? afternoon, you know what I'm saying?
0: Get it, Giles.
1: <laughs> exactly, so Buffy tells him that about Eddie <laughs> he's missing, there was a struggle we need to stop this, there could be a gang of vampires working in the campus we need research and charts and stuff and I'm like, Buffy, you're so right though you know what I mean? Like, Buffy's worried about her friend, but she jumped to the, exactly the right conclusion <laughs> she, but this is not, I mean, this is not her first rodeo, like, Buffy's been the slayer for years now she knows what's up and-
0: well, and I think what it's showing us, right, is even amidst all this confusion around who she is, who her identity is on campus, she's still the Slayer.
1: Yep, true. And Giles says, I don't see where I fit in. <laughs> He's like, you haven't described anything you can't handle yourself. And Buffy says, well, before you became Hugh Hefner, you used to be my watcher. And Giles says, uh, you no longer have a watcher. I'll always be there for you when you need me. Your- and your safety is more important to me than anything but you're gonna have to take care of yourself. Like you're out of high school and I can't always be there to guide you. Ooh, that's hard. Buffy takes that. It's like, she's really sad by that, right? And she says, sorry to bug you. You're right, I can handle this. I just, I'm on it. And then she goes and Giles says, I'm here if you need me. And she goes and Olivia comes around wearing a sweater and she's like, did you help her? And Giles says, I'm not sure. On one hand, I was like, yeah, Buffy, like you, you barged in on Giles and you expected him to drop everything to help you because he always has before. But Giles does have like his own life and Buffy needs to understand that boundary. And maybe this season they're going to explore that a bit. But also, I was like, Giles, Buffy's not 45 years old. She's still like <laughs> 18 or 19 here, right? 18, I think. So that's still like yeah, technically I think, really young.
0: Yeah, we can see this from both perspectives, right? I think both of them have a point. Buffy was probably... You know, this is not the best way to do this, Buffy. And at the same time, Giles, you could be a little bit more understanding. So
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Buffy is back on campus at night. um, And she's wondering to herself how she's going to hunt in this mob because there's people everywhere, right? And she's like, don't you people have homes? (laughs) But then she spots Eddie, dead Eddie, and follows him. And she catches up to him, and she's like, oh, I was worried that something had happened to you. And of course it has, because you're a vampire, because he's got his vampire face on. And I was like, oh, shit, he's been jesse or he's been sheila to and teresa Like, the same shit that happened in high Every school. Every
0: single time you meet a nice person in Sunnydale, they turn into a vampire.
1: Right? Like, ugh. So... Bobby says, "I'm sorry," and he's like, oh, "I'm not." And They start to fight, <laughs> and she stakes him so quickly. Like, goodbye, Eddie. That was a really quick turnaround. I'm sorry.
0: So much for the love triangle. Right?
1: I know we were being set up here for something really delightful, and we lost out. So the blonde vampire is watching her, and she's standing above her. Like it's like a you know height dynamic here. Like she's above her, and uh, she's like the Slayer. Wow. Um, I heard you might be coming here. This is, I mean, what a challenge, the Slayer. <laughs> I actually kind of love Sunday. I'm not going to lie. Sorry, she says her name is Sunday right after that. But, like, I really kind of like her. Um, Buffy's being surrounded. She's circled by probably, like, five vampires to one right now. And Buffy asks who she is. And she's like, I'm Sunday, and I'll be killing you in a minute or so. And Buffy's like, that threat gets more frightening every time I hear it. (laughs) And the stoner vamp says... Uh, like, are we gonna fight, or is there just gonna be a monster sarcasm rally? And the redhead says, "I'm in for a piece
0: of the fight or the monster sarcasm rally." Be clear for.
1: I think she said that because they're still making fun of the fact that she's supposed to be this huge woman. Like, I have a piece. Like, I'm gonna right. Have okay, a bite. I see what you mean. Yeah,
0: I also want to point out here, like, what is it that makes vampires so overconfident? Because Sunday's so unimpressed that Buffy's the Slayer. It's like, Buffy's the Slayer. Like, do you not get it? Like, shouldn't you be a, like, I I could understand her being underwhelmed after the end of the scene. But beforehand, shouldn't you have a little bit more respect here, Sunday?
1: Well, this is why, like, maybe we could talk about Sunday now or we should wait till the end of the scene. But I have a lot of questions about Sunday. And I she's piqued my curiosity for ver- the very reason you just brought up. Well, who the fuck do you think you are, Sunday? (laughs) Like, what the hell? So what we're talking about is that Buffy's getting ready to fight them all, right? And Sunday's saying that this is totally mine. And the stoner vamp is like, okay, but you gotta share the eating. I'm thinking Slayer Blood's gotta be like, whoa. Whoa like tie stick and Buffy's like I thought people were supposed to get smarter in college and Sunday's like yeah I think you had a lot of misconceptions about college like that anyone would be caught dead wearing that and Buffy looks <sighs> down at her outfit and she gets punched in the face for it
0: so is is the outfit okay I mean it's
1: basic like whatever I don't know I think Sunday is being really weird about the outfit because it's fine it's not like mm. forward fashion but neither is Sunday so I don't understand Anyway, they fight, and Buffy gets her ass handed to her. And it is bizarre. It is so weird. This is a girl that Buffy should be able to take out like that, you know? But (laughs) Buffy gets thrown on a car. She gets punched multiple times. She, like, low-key, like, dislocates or does something to her arm. So much so that Buffy realizes she's going to lose this fight, and she runs away. And here, like... I understand that Buffy's lost her sense of identity, right? She's out of her element. And this is showing us that she's not on her game. And we've known that since the very first scene where she let the big bad get away in the very... I didn't even notice that the big bad rose out of the ground and left, right? But here, it's like this this vampire, the Sunday girl, why isn't she scared of Buffy? Why is she able to intimidate her so bad? And also, what is Sunday representing? Because in my opinion, I don't think that... College bullies are really a thing, unless it's, maybe it isn't a small town. Not but like...
0: college bullies. I mean, it, it does seem bizarre to me that of all the places you could choose to hang out, Sunday has decided to hang out at college forever. Yeah, like, doesn't it get that get old and boring at some point? But once again, it's the show showing us that Buffy has lost her groove, and in order for us to see Buffy's crowning moment of awesome later in the show, we have to start with her in a less powerful state, and that is. That's the challenge of any show that has a chosen one hero like Buffy, right, is you cannot start her off beginning of the season super powerful and confident and capable because then you have nowhere to go from there. Right. So I agree with you. Like, it's not it's very contrived. It's not the best. And this is why I don't enjoy these aspects of the season premieres. But it's necessary, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, and like when I say that I like Sunday, I I do actually think that she's an interesting villain. I think that she's it says a lot that she beat Buffy up here, but that also that she apparently only picks on freshmen, meaning that she's probably like in her when she died, she's like in her third or fourth year of university, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, but another reason why she might not fear the Slayer because the Slayer is just another freshman to her. And the freshman's at the bottom of the totem pole in terms of university, I guess. So hmm. it's just i I don't know. Like I I'm we'll we'll find out more about this for sure. But like this is this was really sad to see Buffy lose. And Buffy's sitting in her dorm room, Kathy's snoring again, and she's like taking in her wounds. And the next morning at school, Buffy is on campus and she's all bruised. Like she's bruised worse than her fight with Faith. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So Willow and Oz are talking to another student outside, and Buffy really feels like she can't relate to them, so she leaves. She she leaves campus, and at the vampire dormitory, uh, they're all making fun of Buffy behind her back, like like assholes. <laughs> Those evil evil vampires, and um, the <laughs> the the stoner vampires like the best part was when you ragged on her clothes. She was like, no, not the ensemble. <laughs> i i I do i i I agree with you that guy's really cool um and sunday's making fun of her clothes and she's like she's not gonna last the night she's not she's a done deal in fact guys you're gonna hit the tunnels does LU have tunnels yes yeah
0: so yeah that's actually like a realistic thing you know it's not just an excuse for the vampires to have a way to get around during the day like the sewers in sunnydale it's i think a lot of campuses depending on when they were constructed I think it was kind of an architectural fad. But I think a lot of campuses have had these tunnels so that um, students could get between buildings when there was inclement weather. I don't know why California
1: has them. Yeah, that was my question because um, I know like York University has tunnels. I went to Carleton, we had tunnels. And they're really convenient when you live in residence because you can wear your pajamas to the calf, right? (laughs) Like you don't have to go well,
0: Well, like especially in winter in Canada, right? Like I get it. Mm -hmm. Like you don't want even... If you're just going between classes, you don't want to have to, like, pull on your coat and your boots and everything. It's like, no, go down to the tunnels where it's warm and there's light.
1: Yeah. We're at Joyce's house. Buffy's gone home. And she finds her mom upstairs. And Joyce is, like, so surprised to see Buffy. And she's like, oh, you've been fighting again. As long as you win or as long as you're careful. And Buffy says that she wanted to come and crash for a few days. Like, Buffy wanted to come home for a few days to crash. But... Her room is full of boxes and crates. (laughs) And Joyce says, I didn't move anything, but I I didn't think he'd be back for a few weeks. So it's still your room. I didn't move anything. (laughs) She's like, you know, like I had inventory at the gallery, i.e. I was stealing things from the gallery. (laughs) Right. It's not
0: even. No, it's not inventory. Either she's stealing things or this is more stuff she smuggled illegally into the country to sell. You know, like, it's Hobby (laughs) Lobby Joyce all over again. She's probably blazing it 24-7 now that Buffy's gone.
1: I was just about to say that because not only is Buffy going to Giles' house in the middle of the day, he's not doing anything. He's unemployed, so he's just banging girls all day. I get it. But Joyce arguably still has her job at the gallery And she's home in the middle of the day to greet Buffy. And I also think it's because she's just home, getting high and living now off her stolen merchandise.
0: (laughs) Does she even work at the gallery anymore? We don't know. We never see her working there. Maybe she got fired like last season and she just tells Buffy that she's still working at the gallery. But she's actually just a professional art crime, uh, like art dealer, like professional illegal art smuggler now. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Black market Joyce. Like, she has been living at home, high all day, making cake for herself. Like, good for her. Buffy um, says she also didn't think she'd be home this soon. Aw, poor Buffy. She's really struggling. Okay, Buffy's downstairs, and the phone rings, and Buffy answers it, and she's like, hello? Hello? No answer, so she hangs up. We don't find out who called, but... Something tells me that that was the sexiest silence on the other side of the call that we've ever heard in our lives. (laughs) So back in her dorm, Buffy enters her room and all her shit is gone. It's gone. Bed is stripped. And there's a note that says, this is all too much for me. Yada, yada, yada. Oh, no. They stole from her. She's never been robbed before.
0: Oh, no. Not her ghetto blaster. (laughs)
1: those assholes they took my celine dion cds
0: and her monet poster
1: (laughs) all right slow music is playing at the bronze a red-headed singer is singing about sad love songs buffy enters by herself she's looking for someone she knows but hey cordelia's gone Xander's on his road I mean, trip. it's,
0: it's going to be full of high school kids, right?
1: <laughs> Naturally, I'd be like, "Aren't you now aged out of this bar, <laughs> Buffy?" <laughs> um But she sees a guy, and I swear to God, it is Angel. They got Angel in here for a three-second cameo. <laughs> it's the side of his face. Oh my God, it's Angel! And just by the way, in case anyone doesn't know, Angel called her and didn't and didn't say anything on the phone. Obviously, that was Angel's sexy, sexy silence. Do
0: you need a moment, Steph?
1: I really miss him. So here's the thing. So, like, Psych, it's not Angel. Turns out she was hallucinating him, and it's like a dollar store version of Angel.
0: <laughs> okay, but if you um, can't get Angel, would you not just get a dollar store version of him? Like, is that not better than nothing? No,
1: I'd rather be alone. <laughs> but here's the thing. <sighs> Buffy is so sad. Like, her, like the, the adults in her life don't want to help her. Adults of the adults in her life are replacing her with crates in her room. And sex. Her, the love of her life, Angel's gone. She's had a couple of months to deal with that. But, like, now, in a time like this where she usually would go right, to him. but while
0: she was dealing with that, Willow and Oz were boning constantly.
1: Right? And she probably heard it those few times if they did it in his van. <laughs> so... But Buffy used to go to Angel when she had these insecurities. She used to go to him with her problems because he understood her because she was a slayer, right? Like, at night, like, so she lost that, her person. Even Cordelia, like, she's, like, would be floating around the bronze and, and she doesn't see her. Oz's band isn't playing. Like, there's, everything is different. And you were saying earlier, you mentioned that, like, Buffy as much as she is the Slayer, she wants to live a normal life. Well, what is her normal life now when all the people that she's used to being around her are gone or feel like they're gone or they're busy and they're, she's not a priority to them anymore. So lo and behold, we hear from behind her, the whole world in front of her. And she comes back to this dive and it's Xander. Not only do we not have Angel back, it's Xander. <laughs> Hi, Xander. And he got back a few days ago. He said, but he didn't want to. He didn't want to call them because he didn't want to. Because he knows that they were starting their whole college adventure, and he didn't want to. You know, help them move. But
0: Xander, if you help people move, you get free pizza. Seriously, it's known. You
1: get pizza and pop, and there's nothing better. So Buffy says, hugs him. She says she misses him, and she means it. Like it's it's cute to see this little reunion. And, um, she asks about his trip and Xander says that he admits that he got as far as Oxnard, whatever that is and the engine fell out of his car. So he ended up washing dishes at a ladies' nightclub for a month and a half while he tried to pay for repairs. And then one night, one of the male strippers called in sick, and no power on this earth will let him tell her the rest of that story. He ended up trading up his car with for a better one, came back home, and now his parents make him stay in the basement, and he has to pay rent. And this is played off as laughs, right? Like, oh my God, he didn't have mm-hmm. his cross-country dream. He didn't have his trip of a lifetime. He ended up having to wash dishes all summer. And now he's home and life sucks. But I found the story really sad. I found it really sad. And like, dare I say it? Hey, new season, new me. I was feeling a lot of sympathy for Xander in this particular part of the scene. Mm -hmm. Because as much as we're seeing that Buffy is having a hard time going through this transition, and it's very valid that she's feeling out of place in this. We also have to remember that Buffy is very economically privileged. And in order to go to university, to stay on residence, which is a lot of money, to have a meal plan and buy these books, and then also she gets to take the bus home to her mom every few days, where she can stay when she's feeling sad. Right? She can just go home. It's right there. Her mom welcomes her with open arms. Sure, there's boxes in her room, but the point is is that Buffy has places to go and she has options. And then we see in comparison, Xander has been living in poverty all summer. Xander had to literally work to make enough money to come home he didn't have anyone to reach out to for help
0: he didn't just have to work right the implication of this joke is that he engaged in sex work and you know i'm not here to devalue sex work sex work is real work but the point is that you should only engage in sex work if that's what you choose and it's really unfortunate in our society that people end up engaging in sex work because they feel that they have no other valid ways of making money right and this is played off as a joke because xander is male so ha ha, isn't it so funny that he had to be a male stripper but it's like dude's barely legal
1: is stripping sex work
0: i would say it's considered sex work yeah yeah because you're, you're selling the image of your body yeah. you're letting people look at your body and touch it in various states yeah. of undress the gaze like yeah it's sex work and they're playing it off for laughs because it's gender swapped here from what we would expect it to be, yeah. which is sexist. And it's just like, you know, I, I I agree with you 100%. It's like it's meant to be a funny story. And it's actually really sad. I think the writers want us to feel sympathy for Xander and, and see how sad it is and see the the differences in class privilege here. Yeah. But it also just really bothered me that they dropped in that sex work joke and didn't do anything else with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. And I and I was saying in season three that, you know, we've had our <laughs> journey with Xander all through high school, but I am looking forward to him going through this transition in a different way than his all his friends that are going to school because Xander's yeah, journey is absolutely. going to be very different and it's really good to see this comparison and the difference in privileges between Xander and Buffy and Xander and Willow. And I even think at the very end of this when he says... I'll, you know, oh, and then I had to, like, you know, make money. And now I pay rent for my parents who aren't going to help me, right? Like, like all the sad, sad stuff. Then he's like, so how's college? So I think that's a really good way to su- sum it up that, like, yeah, Buffy, like, you do actually still have it pretty good compared to what I'm going through. Yeah. But he doesn't do it. He, I mean, he could have done it very, like, like, your problems aren't problems. But he was, you know, it, it's there. It's there. And I think that's a really good point. So Buffy says college is good. And Xander says, OK, once more with even less feeling. And Buffy says, Willow's in heaven, Oz is a cool house on campus with the band. But then Xander says, well, you came to the bronze alone, looking like you just got diagnosed with cancer of the puppy. And Buffy lets it spill. She says a vampire took her down and she doesn't know how to stop her. And Xander's like, well, where's the gang? Avengers assemble, let's get going. And I was like, oh, interesting, because, you know, obviously he's Joss Whedon. Uh, directed the (laughs) adventures a couple years later he
0: planned that he he put this line of dialogue in there on purpose yeah just so
1: he was manifesting his own career um (laughs) Buffy says well what if I can't cut it slaying and everything and Xander tries first to get all like philosophical and metaphorical but he really fails he fails a couple of times to like get a point across so finally he just says the point is you're Buffy and Buffy says, well, maybe in high school, it was Buffy. Now she's just Betty Louise Plotnick of East Cupcake, Illinois. <laughs> May as well be. She doesn't feel like herself. Xander, like, comes over and he kneels down in front of her. And he tells her something really nice, which is, you know, he's gone through dark times in his life. He's faced some scary things. And whenever he it's dark and he's all alone and he's scared or freaked out or whatever, he always thinks, what would Buffy do? And he says, you're my hero. And I was like aww that's actually crazy. Isn't that
0: touching? That's very like nice. I was yeah. the moment he said that, I'm like, okay, Xander. Maybe you're going to be better this season." And then, and
1: then Then he says, "Okay, sometimes when it's dark and I'm all alone, I think what is Buffy wearing?" Fuck <laughs> off, Xander. Ruined like, it. Like shut up. Ruined it. It was such a nice so moment. Close. We were we were so tre- close. Right there. We, we were
0: Right, we were on your side oh. we were sympathizing you with you in this scene we almost got through this first scene with Xander in season four with zero sa- Xander slander which would have made some of our listeners very happy and uh, but I can't I can't, we I were can't. On that his is such side. a bad comment
1: I'm, I was like xander oh my god like we were like sympathizing with your journey we're like oh you're poor you're, you poor guy you poor poor person <laughs> that then- this
0: I Fucked it up, Xander. Oh, God.
1: My t- oh. So here we go again. Here we go again. Something's never changed. Um, Buffy says, you know, thank you. And Xander says, nothing says thank you like dollars in the waistband.
0: Well, and he also says, let's put this bitch in the ground. Which I like that. You know, I like that. <laughs> I like it, but I, I don't like men saying bitch like that, right? Like, it's one thing if women do it, but... For, for men to do it, it just strikes me as that's not your word to reclaim, and for Xander to do it, right? Of all people. It's
1: like, <laughs> come on, Xander. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I
0: wanted to call that out, too.
1: Yeah, but I do like the intention behind that. Like, let's get up, Oh, absolutely. Let's go.
0: Like, other than the questionable line there where he talks about seeing Buffy, you know, undressing or whatever... Um, call back to season one mm, watching her change. We know like, he does that! Right? Like, yes, other than that questionable line Xander is great in this scene. So just more of the good Xander and less of the bad Xander that we have to slander all the time. I do enjoy it though. <laughs> we,
1: we love slandering him. I think I think you said it back in season three. um, You said it's only a matter of time before he comes back down. So this was actually quite a hard fall because he went up really high, like (laughs) higher than he's ever gone, in my opinion. We were at like Everest here, then all of a sudden, ah! But (laughs) the higher he goes, the further we fall, and it's it's hard to watch. (laughs) So we cut to them breaking into a computer room. I guess I they don't have laptops yet. I guess it's way too early for that.
0: Well, Willow had a laptop. Yeah, Willow had one. Uh-huh. um but re- I don't think the, the there's no assumption that everybody's gonna have a laptop right no. so yes um computer labs would still have been quite common And I mean computer labs are still pretty common now um they're just usually not in separate rooms anymore they're more like kiosks like little tables in the library
1: yeah, yeah. um well anyway they broke into it and Buffy says that kids have been disappearing every year like in her research and my her in her research um not too many, just enough for people to think that they up and left. And I was like, yeah, their friends and their fellow resident students might think they up and left. What do their families think? How come their families aren't oh, reaching to the school?
0: Their, their families are too busy filling their rooms with illegal artwork.
1: <laughs> yeah, or making them come home and pay rent. <laughs> so they figure that the vampires are keeping all of their stuff uh, all of Buffy stuff and all the student stuff nearby on campus somewhere. And they find out that the disappearance have been going back to 1982. And at the same time that the Psi Theta Fraternity House lost its charter and it's been closed for renovations for the last 20 years. So they're like, boom, bang, we found the place. This is where it is. And they're going to go check out the house. So at the house where there's a big keep out sign, Buffy and Xander are like, okay, let's go up to the roof. They go up to the roof and there's like a glass ceiling.
0: It's called a skylight, Stephanie.
1: Skylight, which is very convenient. <laughs> and But not convenient for vampires. Why would the vampires want a skylight?
0: Right? <laughs> that seems like you should not be in that room. Or you should cover that skylight. You've
1: had 20 years to cover it up buffy is right on the glass she's crawled right up on top of it like homer simpson in that one episode and um they're they're trying on buffy's clothes and buffy says that's my skirt you're never gonna fit in it with those hips we have to kill them Uh. so there there is the other fat phobic fat shaming joke and again we're i'm bringing this up now in episode one because these kind of comments are gonna become more relevant later uh buffy doesn't see the weapons or her trunk in that room so she's like they're probably still in her bed and then wh- the the vampires are holding mr gordo and the last person to hold mr gordo was angel the vampire <laughs> in what's my line so like how dare they buffy tells xander to go to her room or try willow's room if, if the weapons aren't there uh, and then they start to read <laughs> Buffy's diary, so she's Sandra's like, "I'll, I'll hurry, <laughs> and he goes so Buffy's taught by herself now, and she's trying to talk to herself. she's like, "Laugh all you want this time we play it my way. The rules are going to be different, and then the glass breaks, of course, and she falls right down in the middle of all of them.
0: I mean, I do enjoy the comedic time It's here. pretty
1: funny, yeah, and Sunday says, "Don't I know you from beating the crap out of you and Buffy says, oh, "I just thought I'd drop in." <laughs> I do love a pen. And Sunday says, you've really got me now with this diabolical plan. Throw yourself at my feet with a broken arm and no weapons of any kind. How am I going to get out of this one? And Buffy says, well, you've got a nice setup here, but you've made one mistake. And Sunday's like, what was that? And Buffy's like, oh, well, I'm not actually positive, but statistically speaking. (laughs) So Buffy's still off her game and she gets punched. Uh, Willow and Oz are in Buffy's room, finally giving a shit about their friend Buffy speaking to kathy who is like jumping to all these conclusions about buffy being like is she does she have emotional problems because like on my request form i was very specific about a stable (laughs) non-smoker and willow was saying that buffy wouldn't just take off like this it's not in her nature except for that one time when she disappeared for several months and changed her name but there were circumstances and there were no circumstances here And then Willow realizes that there were circumstances and that they were so wrapped up in their petty lives that they totally missed the circumstances. And then she says, we're bad friends.
0: Yes, you are, Willow.
1: I know. And I was like, I'm glad that Willow's feeling really bad about this. But at the same time, I'm also like, Willow's going through transitions too, right? Willow is also caught up in school. Fine. It's only been two days. Like we said, it's been like day two. Um. I do think Willow should have been paying more attention to Buffy, but at the same time, Willow is also going through lots of stuff. So Oz says, let's think this through. And Willow's like, how can you be so calm? And this is a conversation we've had many times already. Like Oz is just a calm person. He says like long, arduous hours of practice. And he says either Buffy took off or was robbed or, and that's when Xander comes in and he says, it's a prank. And he hugs Willow and he hugs Kathy and it's weird because they don't know each other.
0: I, I want to point out, okay, even if Buffy gave Xander directions to her room, how does Xander find his way across this apparently labyrinthine campus that nobody can find their way across yeah. so quickly? It
1: confused like scholars like Eddie, <laughs> but Xander the Slacker, he's got like worldview, he's got like, world view. He's got, like um, street smarts now, <laughs> he found his way. Uh, Oz and Xander don't hug uh because they're too manly but i was like you guys should have hugged
0: men can hug come on
1: we, we've spent way more time building xander and oz's relationship last season than willow and oz's so you guys could have hugged um xander says the room is a prank some friends of buffy's played a funny joke and took her stuff and now she wants their help to get it back from her friends who sleep all day and have no tans lies! But also, that's a pretty good lie, Xander, right?
0: It's a good kind of way of speaking in code. I like it.
1: Yeah, I I like it too. And um, Will's like, oh, those friends. And Oz is like, funny guys. (laughs) So, So they leave Kathy behind to go find weapons at Willow's room and then go help Buffy. Willow asks if Buffy's in danger and Xander says she's in a holding pattern so we've got time. (laughs) And cut to Buffy who's getting... Dramatic (laughs) irony. Cut to Buffy who's being beaten up Um, and she sees her chest. Her chest is in the room and she's trying to crawl toward it. But Sunday comes up in front of her and says this is my favorite item and she's holding the umbrella from the prom
0: the class protector award Yeah,
1: and buffy says you don't want to touch that and sunday drops it and stomps on it
0: (gasps) no i know i
1: know the violation the
0: it's the official end of high school like that's the moment right that's buffy's last connection to her glory days
1: And so, wow! There's so much. There's so much symbolism in this umbrella that I'm always late to. <laughs> Remember, it took me a really long time to figure out why they chose the umbrella, and now you just pointed out that's why this matters. <laughs> uh, the umbrella will forever be confusing to me. So
0: the albatross around your neck. <laughs>
1: seriously, <laughs> it's my Da Vinci Code. So she grabs Buffy's wounded arm. And she's like saying, "Oh, it's looking. This isn't looking good. It might have to come off." And Buffy says, "You want to know the truth? I only need one. <laughs> it's fucking sick." She like punches her with the other arm, and like you're saying, like don't fuck with Buffy's only source of public validation. <laughs> like you know what I mean? So um, they start fighting, and she's fighting back. Buffy's finally fighting back. I guess that was the, the thing she needed to.
0: It, it's the same thing as that moment in Anne where the guy, the demon guy, is like, "Who are you?" And Buffy's like. I'm Buffy, the vampire slayer, right? Yeah. Like, it's that moment. It's that crowning moment of Asa where she gets up.
1: But that was way more powerful than this. I agree.
0: I like I agree, this, but... but I, I, I will not belabor this point. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, Buffy is using, like, the stuff around her because she's so good at improving. She's got, like, a wooden table as a weapon. The stoner vampire says, this is starting to suck. So... Th- Buffy has a tennis racket now. She's beating up all the vamps. Willow and Oz run in as some of the vamps are trying to leave. And Willow actually uses the crossbow to kill somebody. She kills the stoner vamp, who's just like, whoa, and dusts. And Xander and Oz manage to stake another one of the vamps. And as the vamps are taking off, Buffy tells Sunday, when you look back on this, in the three seconds it'll take before you turn to dust, I think you'll find the mistake was touching my stuff. (laughs) And they fight a bit more. Sunday grabs Buffy's arm and says, what about breaking your arm? How's that feel? And Buffy answers, she's like, let me answer that question with a headbutt. And she sure enough headbutts her. And then she says, for the record, the arm is hurt. And then she punches Sunday so hard, she flies across the room and she says, It's not broken.
0: (laughs) I love it. That's the moment.
1: So Oz says, hey, Buff, do you need a hand? And Buffy looks at them. She twirls the stake confidently in her hand like a baton. And she's like, no, thanks. And she just whips it across the room at Sunday, hits her directly in the heart. And Buffy says, I'm good. And doesn't even watch Sunday dust. Doesn't even have to watch her die. She just walks away, picks up her umbrella. And and
0: Sunday does a little like arms on her hips pose she's like can't believe this is happening
1: like this is so uncool and she does and buffy picks up the umbrella and starts like putting it back together as they all walk out so i do kind of wish we had more of sunday i think this is too quick a cleanup i wish that we had like two episodes of her
0: yeah and th- th- there seems like there was some kind of stunt casting going on because she was listed in the credits as a special guest star with like her name as sunday so I don't know. I don't know who this person is. I don't know if she's some kind of musician or just another actor. She
1: was in. She's all that in a very small role. Hmm. In a small role.
0: Well, she got special billing. So
1: damn. Well, that's what I, like. I feel like. I don't know. I like. i not. I don't love Sunday. Like you said, she's like contrived, and it's like you know. I, I
0: think she was going to be a one-hit wonder, right? Like she would, if she overstayed her welcome, she would wear on us pretty quickly
1: yeah i can see that too but i think it would have been cool to keep following this like girl vampire gang
0: do you want a spin-off
1: yeah (laughs) here's another (laughs) spin-off sundays with sunday spin-off
0: staff here you go
1: (laughs) oh thanks everybody so all right well bye sunday um the scoobies are leaving the building everyone's carrying boxes of buffy's things and xander's wondering if the stuff in there is belongs to anyone or if they can take it and i was like yeah take it like in my opinion you could take it because it's all free and like we should stop buying new stuff and keep buying older stuff if you can. It's true. Uh, so yeah, go in there. Rampage. Ra- like rummage around. Those people have been dead for 20 years. Just take it. Um, Giles runs up to them and he's got weapons in his hands and he's like, um, I've been awake all night. I know I'm supposed to teach you about self-reliance but I can't leave you out here to fight alone. To hell with what's right. I'm ready to back you up. Let's find the evil and fight it together. And Buffy's like... Well, he's
0: also out of breath folks he's running so he's like, let's find the evil (laughs) and fight it together
1: (laughs) and it's earnest and nice and buffy's like great thanks we'll get right on that and they continue to walk by him and Giles is like is the evil this way
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's a great line
1: and buffy's like nope my room is and giles takes a box from willow and they all are walking with her and xander's like uh so college not so scary after all huh And Buffy's like, it's turning out to be a lot like high school, which I can handle. At least I know what to expect.
0: Famous last words.
1: Seriously, cut to a runaway vamp, one of them, uh, who is running through the bushes, looking scared. And then he gets tased. He falls to the ground. And we watch from the ground as three men in army gear and guns approach the vampire.
0: Which is so interesting to me that tasers work on vampires. Because the whole point of a taser is that it's supposed to like your skin has to be conductive for one thing which vampires aren't like it's the whole like it, it works with your heart rhythm like i, don't, I didn't know I don't, that i, I thought it just sent
1: shocks to your body <laughs> i was like Ooh.
0: right but that only works if you're
1: alive oh yeah i guess so mm, well maybe it's a special vampire one maybe it's like for dead cells i don't know
0: oh that's a good point yeah these people seem to know like what they're hunting so that's actually... I'll take that. That's a good explanation.
1: Oh, thank you. Who's
0: your hero, Steph?
1: I chose Xander.
0: <laughs> I did too.
1: I get... His speech was sweet. He's the only choice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Other than that one misstep, like, who else in this episode was had Buffy's back from the hop, right? Like, yes, they all showed up for her eventually. Even Giles, he pulled himself out of his sex stupor long enough to get dressed and bring some (laughs) weapons but you know xander he was behind buffy 110 percent from the moment he showed up in the show um no hesitation he helped her with the research he helped her you know with the fight eventually right like yes i didn't like some of his comments in the episode you know we gave him the, the slander for that but overall xander's my hero
1: i agree with you um it truly is a new era of the show, a new era of our podcast, because well, I mean, we usually only give Xander hero car uh, hero credit at least once a season. So the fact that it's episode one,
0: yeah, like that's the point, right? Is it's like we're gonna watch, as you said, uh, how he deals with the college years, and let's see, like, does he continue to improve? Like, yes, he's gonna have setbacks. We all have relapses as we're trying to improve our lives, right? So I'm willing to have an open mind maybe he will improve maybe we'll call him the hero in more episodes in season four who knows it's a like you said it's a brand new era of prophecy girls
1: right okay all right
0: i I have to ask Mm -hmm. are you wearing a harvard sweatshirt for this recording
1: i am i wanted to wear it specifically for the freshman no i didn't i just wanted to take my bra off (laughs) 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 but uh thank you for noticing So let's get to our hot stakes. We have two today.
0: Our first hot stake is from Lexi. And they say, even though I still don't know that I'd call season four one of my favorites, I do see more value in it than I used to, especially in the first episode. Seeing Buffy, who's smart, beautiful, funny, relatively confident, and a literal superhero, also struggle with feeling lonely, out of place, left out, and missing home, probably helped a lot of people going through similar things feel less alone it can be hard for anyone and that's okay college can be a great experience but i like that the show acknowledges how difficult it can be to adjust to an honest if hyperbolic and metaphorical way yeah like we've talked about this before and i've mentioned several times before right like season four always grows on me a little bit more every time i watch it so i'm with you lexi
1: yeah I'm with you too. And uh, I'm excited to see again, like we keep saying this because it's a new era, right? We're going to see all these characters go in different directions as as it does when you get older and as it does when you start putting yourself in new uh, situations and new environments. You're going to change. You're going to grow. And all these characters are going to do it in different ways. It's, it's exciting. It's a really cool time. Um, our our last one is from Elena who uh, messaged to talk to us a bit about why Buffy, about how she related to Buffy growing up. Um, And I wanted to bring up Elena's hot steak because she's saying that she's listening to our, she was listening to our season one wrap up. She was a huge Buffy fan growing up. And she still is just like Cara and I, but she can still see the issues with it. She believes that it is extremely important to acknowledge the issues because they are not just imaginary plots invented for a TV show. They are born out of certain contemporary mentality that was very poignant at the time and still is. Um, Elena says, it's important to point out issues when watching old series because on some level they had a role in normalizing or internalizing bad behaviors or traits simply because they were associated with characters that were supposed to be lovable and relatable. This is not to demonize or cancel a show, but to make sure that we as viewers understand why we should be careful with the messages portrayed in content meant also for children or teenagers, not only mature audiences. So thank you, Prophecy Girls, for this amazing content and the beautifully explained analysis you are making. What you are doing is important and meaningful. Mm -hmm. I know, I know. So I wanted to share this one in particular because I want to point out that one, we are still getting new listeners that come in and like we're starting season four, but Elena's watching, uh, listening to us back at season one and season two right now. And I, I think it's really great that the podcast format allows people to binge us and then they catch up and they join us week by week, but they can also keep going back to the beginning. And I think that's really cool about what we're doing. And I thank Elena for reminding us that people are still joining in. They're not, they haven't been with us for a year, believe it or not. They come in, we get new listeners in uh, every day. And that's awesome. And we welcome you all Indeed. and we want to talk to you all. But uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up about this was that um, it's just a really nice reminder <laughs> why we do this podcast Right, like why we analyze, why we're criticizing. We've been doing it for so long that sometimes it's just it's just nice to be reminded why people tune in, why they're listening, what makes us, what sets us apart from other Buffy podcasts, perhaps, what we're contributing to the conversation.
0: Thank you, and thank you to everybody who supports the show, either by shouting us out on social media, and discussing things on our Discord, uh, as well as our buy me a coffee supporters, especially our chosen ones. Lizzie, Emma, Hannah, Tara, Molly, Teza, Alexandra, Kyle, Kayla, and Destiny.
1: All right. We'll see you next week. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options.
1: We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week.
0: We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels.
1: Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter.
0: You can also email us at Podcast at gmail.com Or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca, where you can find the link to our Discord.
1: Praise Moloch!
0: See you next week!